Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you your words are spirit and they are life. They're not just sound. They carry power. It's not volume, it's power that you always bring when you speak. Your word creates. It has a creative power. It has a faith-giving power. But it also, Lord, enables us to hear your voice. And so today, let there be light break out in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the entrance of your word into each of our hearts that brings light. So that we might live in the fullness of life that you've died to give us. That we might possess our inheritance in Christ Jesus. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said... Amen. Amen. Now this morning, I, uh, God has put on my heart to teach from one of the miracles of Jesus. And when you read the Bible, when you read about one of the miracles or the stories of what Jesus did, there is always a lesson in it. There's always something God wants to communicate to us through it. But also, this morning, we are going to minister to individuals who want to receive um, a repeat of this miracle that we're going to read of. Because he's always a God who does it again. And Jesus is the same, not just yesterday, but he's the same today and forever. And so... We're going to teach very important things, and these important things are about subjects that crop up in life. They crop up in your conversations with people that don't know Jesus, but they might even crop up in your own conversations. And the first thing we're going to talk about is what is God like, really like, and what does he think about suffering? That's a subject that often crops up, isn't it? What does God think or feel about suffering, human suffering? And what does he think about suffering in the life of a believer? Someone who actually has faith. So these are very important hot topics, I would say. They're always um, in conversation somewhere. We're also going to understand who he says is responsible for the suffering. Now that's a biggie. How many of you want to know who's responsible? Because Jesus tells us who's responsible. He's going to tell us this morning who's responsible for the suffering of humanity and individuals, whether it's crowds of people or whether it's just you, who he says is responsible. And finally, how he restores life back to how it should be. How he restores life back to how it should be. So you could say, it's going to be an amazing day to have all these questions addressed by the word of God and by reading together this story. So we're going to come to 
Luke chapter 13 and verse 10 and read first and then I'll unpack. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, synagogues on the Sabbath and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no way raise herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, this rules man, there are six days on which men ought to work and therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. He gave everybody a telling off. <laughs> so not just Jesus, he told everybody off. Don't come and get healed on a Sunday Actually, he probably would have said, not Monday either, and nor Tuesday, nor Wednesday, because he wanted to shut down the supernatural. He just wanted the people to live by his controlling rules and not by really who God is and what he wants to do for people. So the Lord answered, because he does. He answered him and he said, hypocrite. That's quite strong from Jesus, isn't it? Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So in other words, have you not got the compassion even on your donkey? I haven't got a donkey, but I would have compassion. If he was thirsty, I would do something to help him. So if you haven't got a donkey, you still fit. Okay, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it. For 18 years, be loosed from her bond on the Sabbath. Jesus, first of all, sees... He sees an individual that is suffering and he highlights them in a corporate or a gathering of people. He sees that for her, it was much harder than anyone else to get there. Imagine walking bowed. I've seen some people in this condition and they literally look at life like that as they walk because they can't look up. And so you can imagine her in the synagogue trying to look but not seeing very much. And everybody can get used to how somebody suffers. But Jesus never gets used to suffering. He never wants it to go on longer than today. Because today is the day of salvation. Today, now, is the time that Jesus wants to act. Because he is here. 
And wherever he is, he sees the need. In your life or in the life of somebody in this room or listening online. I'm not going to exclude you because you're coming under the sound of the word of God today. She's faithful, this woman. Her needs and her suffering didn't stop her worshipping. She kept going and honouring God. And I want to take my hat off to anybody here who is always honouring God when we come together to worship, even though you're feeling rotten, you're feeling bad, you have got a pain somewhere, but you're still in the house because you love God and you want to honour Him and worship Him. I want to honour the faithful who are still here, even though they feel awful. And Jesus does this, doesn't he? He honours her by pointing her out. You see, misery always moved him. There's an advert at the moment, John Lewis. Everybody wants to know what the Christmas advert's going to be like. And it's about a man with a great big heart who wants to foster a child. And he wants to relate to that child. Well, I want to tell you, we have a God who is a loving father who actually knows everything about everyone. And he is moved by misery. He is moved by suffering. He is not unmoved. He is the God with the great big, 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 big heart. That's who Jesus is. And you know, it takes love to actually, I believe, show us who God really is. Because God in his nature is love. No parent would want their child to suffer. And you see the pain on a parent's face when their child is in hospital, in pain. They would do anything to get them out of it. Now, I want to tell you, our God is someone who did everything to get you out of it. And he did everything on the cross so that you could come out of whatever pushes you down and lift you up. Because that's who Jesus really is. Is. That's what God is really like. He is moved by people who are not well. He's moved by people who suffer in mind or soul or emotions, who have a broken heart by the things that have happened to them in life. God is a God who is love and he is moved by what happened to you. Misery always moved him. And it's wonderful to see the real picture of Jesus who has a great big heart of love that wants to help you. You see, there was a man who was a centurion. He was an army man. And his servant at that point, you know, people had slaves. And his slave was paralyzed through some event. I don't know what happened. And... He said, the centurion said, my servant is paralyzed and terribly 
tormented. Now, I can't imagine what that meant, but it must have been awful to watch. And the centurion had enough love in his heart to go to Jesus and say, on the behalf of that man, I'm here. I know he's my slave, but I've got compassion. And it was love that started a miracle in that servant. Yes, it was faith working, but it was faith working through love. He loved his servant who was sick. And that is to be the same for whatever position we have in life, whether it's a mum or a dad, or you're a leader in some department in the hospital, or you are in a school. Love takes uh, the step to do something about it. You know, the church will move into signs and wonders when it moves in love. And that means you will move in signs and wonders and miracles when this compassion for people moves you to help and to bring Jesus in to heal them. Love makes miracles happen. Jesus is love. That's what he is like. Jesus called this woman a daughter of Abraham. Now that's an interesting term. If you don't know what that means, let me explain it. Abraham, to God, was the person through whom, because of his faith, he was going to bring the Messiah. He is called even to those who are born again in the new covenant. He is called the father of faith, of all those who believe. So he's the beginning, really, of the faith movement. <laughs> Didn't start in America. It started with Abraham. <laughs> That's right. It started with Abraham. And he was the believer. But you see, there were other Jews. Even around at the time of Jesus, some people came to him and said, Oh, Abraham's our father. They were insulted by Jesus' teaching. And he said, If you were... If you were Abraham's children, you'd believe in me, but you're not. So you're not, it's not your natural birth that makes you a believer. It's your personal faith and spiritual um, born again that makes you a believer. You have faith in Jesus. So when this woman was called daughter of faith, this woman was already a believing believer. Not just a Jew, a believing Jew. And you know, faith actually qualifies you to inherit everything in Jesus Christ. You see, I believe this woman, in her bowed down, suffering position, was trusting God like this. Have you ever trusted God, feeling like life is holding you down, but she's still believing God. She's still trusting. She's still worshiping. And Jesus actually said, because this is what love said, 
It ought not to be like this. Doesn't that cancel out everything about human suffering? How God sees suffering? It didn't ought to be like this. It didn't ought to be a world of suffering. It was never God's intention that this world was going to be a world of suffering. But through Adam's sin, he gave the right to Satan. He gave the keys of this world to Satan, the authority of this world to Satan. Satan is behind the evil and the suffering of our world. And Jesus looks at this physical condition. Now hear me, hear me clearly. Hear the word clearly this morning. A physical back problem and he says it's Satan behind it. It is an evil spirit behind that physical problem. Let the word bring light to the church today. We need to live in the light of scripture and not our experiences and what the world says. Jesus is the doctor of all doctors. And his diagnosis is right a hundred percent of the time. What he says is a hundred percent right. I love his rightness to correct my wrongness. I love his thinking to change my thinking. I love the way he sees to change my sight. Is your sight being changed by him today? He says, this woman ought not to be like this. This is not my will. It is never his will. Jesus never changes, so it's never his will that someone is suffering. Just deal with it. It just isn't. Just accept it like a child. It's really important that we have this doctrine that is from the word of God and from the life of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is representing God himself. He is the son of God, become man. But everything you see Jesus do is actually showing us who God is. And he says, Satan has bound her. And he says, 18 years. Look, I, I, if I get sick for a week, do you, are you hearing me? I'm fed up. I feel pretty bad. I'm struggling with something. But day in, day out, locked. Like, imagine trying to sleep trying to get about and do anything in life. She was totally limited and totally uh, disabled, actually, by a spirit. And I was thinking, you know, um, 
about when I was traveling once, and I can't remember exactly where I was in ministry. And in this particular country, I think it was Africa, um, they hobbled donkeys. You know what that means? They tied their legs together so that they couldn't go very far. And it was a form of controlling that animal so that it couldn't actually move and get out of it. And I, I actually believe that there are many conditions that haven't shifted in people's lives yet, even people in faith. Because we're not seeing that there is something that's tied you up. Because if you don't see that there is someone who's behind your limiting of life, then you will ignore that someone and seek solutions outside of the real problem. You'll have endless counselling. You'll have endless investigations or Googling. <laughs> but you won't ever be free because there's only one thing that will set you free. And that's the name and authority of Jesus Christ to loose you from whatever is holding you. To untie those legs so you can skip like a donkey free in the field. Not limited by the enemy. You see... <laughs> I think 80% of getting to your victory is seeing this. 80% is seeing that the enemy is often behind immovable problems. Long-term, long-standing issues in your life. And this is what Jesus was saying. He was saying, my heart of compassion, I am moved to do something about it today. I'm showing you exactly what the problem is. That it is a spirit, an unseen spirit, that actually affects this person. And this is important, not just for people here today, but this is important as we learn to minister healing to other people. How many want to heal the sick? If you don't, you, uh, Jesus says it's your call. It's actually to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But if you miss this revelation of a spirit holding on in a way that is disabling or bringing suffering into this life, then you're missing actually the route, the path to healing the sick. In Acts 10, I love this scripture. It's always, it's one of my favorites. Acts 10, verse uh, 38, I think it is. How Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good. 
who went about doing good. He's still going about. <laughs> He's here today going about. That's good news, isn't it? He's here going about doing people good. But healing all. Now you could stop there, but it isn't the end of the sentence. Because the word of God carries on and says, healing all who were oppressed of who? Of the devil. For God was with him. So in other words, the healing in some way is, is, is going to happen when that life comes out from under the influence of a spirit that has oppressed them or made them unwell emotionally, mentally, or physically. I, I will never forget um, a member of my family who had anorexia. And he was, he, it's very unusual for boys and it's, it's, it's a terrible thing for a boy. It's a terrible thing for a girl, but I think that medically they say boys, it's even worse. And um, he was in hospital. And uh, he was failing. His life was, we were watching him die in front of our eyes. And I was coming out to minister here in the morning. And I, God gave me a word. And I just spoke. Because this is what happens to free people. Is... You speak what God says. You speak a word. That's what Jesus did to liberate, to untie, like the donkey, the legs, to loose this woman or to loose my nephew. And I spoke a word. He gave, a, it, it was, I wasn't even praying for him, and it just came out. Spoke to, I said, Edward, and he's in a hospital in, I don't know, somewhere else, some other place, uh, near Froome, Wiltshire. In the name of Jesus, be loose, be free. And I spoke the word over him, a word of healing. Apparently, at exactly that moment, he woke up, he, he got up to eat. And he's never stopped eating. The victory was won over the enemy first. And many of the battles we face, I think we're not going to win them. I believe that with all of my heart. We're not going to win these battles if we don't face a spiritual, unseen enemy. But this is really exciting. Because when you see it, you can win it. How many of you are excited? If I see this, it's the truth, I can win it. Why can we win it? Because in the New Covenant, the New Testament, all believers, whether you're a new believer or not so new, like me, um, we've all been given authority. Now, authority is different to the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit comes, you, you're filled with the Holy Spirit after being born again. You receive the Holy Spirit. You have dunamis power. You have power to accomplish in God things that you couldn't do. That would include your character changing to a holy person. 
You have power to be like Jesus, but you've also got power to live the Christian life as God intends. But you also have another kind of power, and that is authority. And it's such an important part of your inheritance that you will possess the promises when you understand what you have. And God says, Jesus says, I have given you authority. Luke 10, 19. I have, say have, given you. So that does that mean, do you have it? Authority. Now, speaks about serpents and scorpions. And in the Bible, serpents particularly refer to demonic, um, satanic unseen spirits and scorpions, things that hurt you naturally. Because if you trample, I was raised in Africa, you do not trample a snake because that snake will bite you. Naturally speaking, if you put your foot on a snake, it turns around and nips you. And whatever poison it's got, it will inject you. But Jesus says you can trample on this enemy in my name because there's no match for the name of Jesus. It's not an equal fight because Jesus is the champion of all champions and he has won the victory and given us the authority over how much of the power, what does the word of God say? All. Come on, let's say all. I love the word all. But if you don't use it, you won't win it. If you don't shift it, it won't lift it. You, believer, you have authority already in your seat on your sofa drinking coffee, in your car listening to this message, you have authority. If you're a child listening this morning and you have Jesus living in you, you have authority. Because it's not your size, your age, your maturity. It's a gift. It's something that has been given from the Lord of Lords to his children. To put the enemy down under your feet. He has given you authority. Nothing will harm you, by the way. I do not entertain this thought, because the enemy loves to say it. Well, if you, if you get rid of this, he's going to come back and get you. He's coming back in another awful way. You can, you can prepare for another attack. I wouldn't confess that if, if I were you because you will possess that. It'll happen. Just tell him he won't harm me. Hello? It's not going to harm me. The enemy can't harm me because I've got authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. 80% there. If you see there is an unseen enemy behind this physical condition. I remember too, a story uh, where a lady that um, 
many actually famous people had prayed for. And, uh, um, you know, she just wasn't recovering. And I got to talking to her once, and she asked me to pray for her. And I said, well, <laughs> what can I do <laughs> if, if they, they didn't? Uh, it didn't work for those famous ministers. What about me? What's the point? And I said, well, I said, did you, have you ever thought that this was an evil spirit that is affecting, it was an emotional, um, like she got so, she's living stressed and living just not well inside. And mentally, she would um, she'd just stress out, uh, a bit like a trip switch. Do you know when your house trips? Um, she'd easily trip. For, uh, for most of us, we can, we can turn on all the machinery and it works. The whole house is lit up and depends if you're paying, how, no, no comment. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she, she would trip at the slightest thing. Push, fail. Just wasn't coping. And uh, her life was getting shut down by what was happening inside. So this isn't a physical thing. It's more of an internal, emotional, mental problem. And I said, have you, have you ever? I said, actually, I believe the enemy's behind it. Because if you've been prayed for and you've trusted God for this, maybe, just maybe, nobody has taken authority over that spirit. Well, I popped round to her house over a cup of tea. And I said, come on now. He's given you authority, and I'm just going to agree with you. Because it's not about my authority, although it is, I've got it. But you've got it. And I said, you take authority over that spirit. In the name of Jesus, tell it to leave you. So she did. And I said, right, I'm laying my hands on you. You're healed. And she was. Immediate. Her husband said to me the following day, what on earth happened? I've got my wife back. I've got my wife back. She got lost because there was an unseen enemy behind her condition. Fear works like that, you know. And before I minister and we have a time of ministry, I just want to talk about this spirit. Fear is never from God. And perfect love, love casts out fear. But fear can work in so many ways, in different dimensions. You, you're endlessly worried about something. It's often a spirit constantly nagging at you. You're never going to make it. It's all going to be bad. Your whole life is going to end in nothing. It's going to get worse. And everything's going downhill. He, that's why so many times the Lord says, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Fear not, I am with you. And it works in, just debilitates some people. They have panic attacks at night. Um, it just is, it's an unseen enemy that you can't get over unless you tell it to go. It'll remain with you until you rule it. It'll always plague you. And Jesus hasn't come for you to have a life plagued by the enemy. 
He's come to give you life and life in all its fullness. And so Jesus looks at this woman bowed down and he is absolutely, I would, I would say, almost a bit mad. And I'm not saying that uh, the wrong kind of anger, but I think he was indignant. He was like, this should not be happening with this woman. She shouldn't be going through this. He shouldn't be suffering with this. And so he commands, let her go. You're loosed from your affliction. It's a spirit of affliction. And immediately it left her. But you know, he needed to lay hands on her. Now, laying hands isn't just a way we pray. It is an impartation of power. It's not, it's not just a touch of a human hand bringing comfort. That is not what we're doing. And not huggy, 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 huggy. It's power, power, power. <laughs> snivelly, snivelly, snivelly. There's a time for that. I'll hug you when you cry. But power, 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 power through the laying on of hands. Power through the laying on of hands. Now, we're going to pray in faith this morning. Pia and I, Pastor Angie and I, are going to lay hands on those who would like to receive. And you will receive power. But I would also ask you to come in faith. To use the faith you have and come to Jesus, not to us. You see, Jesus called the woman out from her seat. And that would have been quite an event. She would have come out and tried to get into the middle. And she knew everybody was looking at her. If you can't get over people looking at you, you won't get healed. <laughs> I thought I'd deal a death blow to your self-image this morning. You love me really, don't you? This, I'm helping you get healed. I'm helping you get healed. If you aren't convinced in your heart that it doesn't matter what people think, I'm coming, then, then you'll stay in your seat. You'll have heard the word, and you'll have heard the word that does you good, but you won't receive the extra that's coming because there's extras here. There's extras here today. How many of you want to come for extras? I want to come for, I always want to come for extras. I'm, I'm not the one who kind of, I always look at the uh, menu and I think, that looks good. What's for afters? I don't want the ordinary, I want the extras. Yeah, that woman left home, left, went home like this. I mean, can you imagine going home? Some of you need to imagine it. Going home, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. She, she would have gone on singing, dancing, glorifying God, praising God. And everybody else was like, yes, except for the religious ones. But don't worry about them. <laughs> They'll always mess up your life. <laughs> 
Just keep them on the sidelines and focus on Jesus and his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Don't be fixated by those who are always with religious rules and Oh, well, you don't deserve it. No, no, we don't deserve anything. We already got that. But he gave us everything. We got that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. We're going to come into a time of ministry. And uh, I'd like to offer you uh, one more piece of instruction. It's really an important bit that I can't miss out. I know you, some of you have thought I've talked long enough, but there's a little bit more. James 4, 7 says, submit to God first. And I have been thinking about Joshua a lot recently. And I thought about him submitting to God. Because as he's in the promised land, and he's about to take from the enemy what belongs to him. The enemy is sitting on his stuff. And but before he takes all that God has given him and wins a victory, victory, he has an encounter with Jesus. This man appears with a drawn sword. And Joshua says, he's trying to look out at Jericho, how am I going to win this? How am I going to win this? And that's what a lot of us do. We look at our problems. How are we going to win this? How are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do? And Jesus shows up in new light as a warrior, a man of war. God is a God of war. He's a God who fights his enemies. And he appears before Joshua. And Joshua says, are you for us or against us? Are you for our enemies or are you, whose side are you on? He said, I'm not on anybody's side. I've come as commander of the army of the Lord. So in other words, there's only one side to be on if you're going to win and that's his. He's not on your side, we're on his. Ooh. And you know what happened? He bowed, he got on his face and worshipped. And then God said, see, I've given you, I've given you. Just like he says to us, I've given you authority. I've given you the victory in my name. It's already yours now. Take it. Some of you are going to take things today you've never taken. You're going to win things today you've never won. Because it's an unseen thing that is going to loose you and let go of your life today. But you see, submission to God first is the key to the victory. If you will own him as your general, your commander-in-chief, the one who tells you what to do, then you will see the victory. Somebody recently says, said this statement, the floor is the door. The floor is the door. Go down to see the victory. Humble yourselves first. Submit to God. 
Then resist the devil. Bring everything under me, Jesus says. Everything. Let me be your Lord. Not just inside this bit and not that bit, but all of you. Surrender your whole life to me. And I will give you the victory this morning. I will give you the victory this morning. Submit to God, then resist the devil. And he will run a mile, 10,000 miles. He'll never come back. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How are we going to do this? First of all, We're going to submit to him. And in whatever way you can, you're just going to individually, because I can't do this for you. It's not like a prayer you pray to agree together. It's something personal. And Jesus sees you. He sees everybody in this room or listening online. And he sees And he says, come to me and surrender. Yield your whole life afresh to me. Maybe you never have handed the control of everything over to him as your own general, your your loving commander-in-chief. But it's love that says, submit so you see a victory. It's because he loves you and knows what is best and how to win. So if you're fighting in some area in your life, the will of God, his holy way, Just say, Lord, I surrender. I ask you to forgive me anything that has grieved you or I know has been wrong. Thank you that immediately you forgive. You cleanse me with your precious blood. And this morning, I own you as my master, my Lord. Thank you that I'll have nobody else rule over me. I'm not going to be self-ruled and I'm not going to be ruled by controlling people. No, that doesn't mean have leaders because leaders are God's idea. We're to surrender to those in authority as well, to, to have people over us. That's part of God's plan. But it does mean that he is your ultimate Lord and in control of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are here this morning and have taught us from your word who you are, what you're like, how you see suffering, and how you identify the enemy as the person behind these problems that have been going on or situations we can't lift ourselves up from, can't get over. 
whether it's a broken heart or uh, spirits of fear, can't get over things. Lord, thank you that you're the one who brings us over, (laughs) lifts us over and frees us from these things. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.